You are listening to the Commercial CIO Podcast, the podcast for CIOs who mean business. In this series, we'll explore how business IT leaders are adopting and investing in the latest technologies to help drive improved productivity, reduce costs, and improve ROI on their IT budget. We'll get the latest insights directly from IT leaders and industry specialists, giving you the practical knowledge and information you need to get the very best value from your IT budget and investments. If you found our content of interest, please don't forget to like and subscribe. Great. Well, Matt, this is exciting, isn't it? The first in a series of podcasts uh, where we're going to be talking uh, about IT chiefs and the challenges they face. And, you know, the spin we're hoping to put on this, as discussed, would be uh, to talk about really the, the business-focused CIOs, those that are deeply accountable and understand what the business imperatives are, as well, of course, uh, understanding technology landscape. Is that your kind of point of view on what we're going to do here? Yeah, that's right, Martin. I mean, uh, my, my background's always been working with IT leaders, helping them to really understand uh, how they use IT services like telco mobile, but, but wider now the cloud. Uh, and, and, and from that really, uh, uh, through that education, helping them to understand how they can better manage, better procure, better invest in those technologies. So, so this kind of podcast is all about helping CIOs and IT leaders to, to, to really see what's going on underneath the bonnet, what's happening within the marketplace, and, and hopefully expose kind of real interesting tips and techniques to save money and make better investments. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. I mean, I used to be editor of CIO Magazine, actually, and, and you know, the people I met uh, in those roles almost uniformly wanted to share knowledge, share tips, best practices, etc. And they were really, uh, had all ears open to any uh, advice they could get, any uh, experience they could lean on. So hopefully we'll help deliver some food for thought as we go along. Um, in the first in the series, uh, we're going to focus on the future of remote and mobile working. I know you've had a ton of experience in that space. And of course, it's very timely, isn't it? Because here we are, what is it, the 27th of July, uh, and we're still deep, uh, tragically, into the, the era of uh, the pandemic. And of course, that's just had a really radical effect on, on the way people work. I'm sure you're seeing it at your end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, both from a business point of view, the businesses I'm involved with and our, and our partners, um, operationally, like everyone, we, we, we've had everyone working from home. But from our customers as well, um, really, they've been impacted very differently. Some, some of those organizations like professional services, um, for, for, for those, it's been very natural for them to very quickly move into a home working, remote working environment. Uh, whereas for others, let's say uh, in, in the industries or those running big call centers, that's actually a really big challenge. You know, if you've got a thousand call center agents, you know, actually sending all of them home and still providing them access to their technologies, still being able to provide support to your end customers it is, is a much more significant challenge. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I was looking at the uh, Office of National Statistics and, and, and they discovered that 49% of workers uh, worked from home at some point in the seven days to the 14th of June. Um, you know, that would have been up from about 5% of the workforce in December 2019. So it really is a radical shift. But what I've heard pretty consistently from CIOs out there is they've been really surprised and impressed by the way that workers have adapted because you know, in most cases, this was just a very, very different world. Still a lot of presenteeism going on, you know, showing up, uh, punching the clock, 
nine to six sorts of days, the, the daily agony of the commute. And all of a sudden, of course, it's just been turned completely on its head. But as I say, my general feeling is that um, there's no going back from this. Now, whether the future looks like some weird combination uh, of all of the above, of offices, of working from home, of working from third spaces, yeah, I think it probably is something like that. There'll be gray areas. But I don't think there's going to be a return to order uh, in the way that life was before the pandemic. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I think a lot comes down to circumstance, doesn't it? If, if, if you have uh, a home working environment that allows you to get some separation between family and business, and you've got your own space, then, then actually, do you know what? Remote working, home working isn't going to prove too much of a challenge, is it? It's, ni- it's nice to meet up with people. It, 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 you know, there's, a, there's a certain uh, flow that comes from getting people together, but it's not too much a problem. Where, where we see a lot of the challenges is uh, there's a whole group of people that are trying to work remotely that don't have that. And I think that's where we're going to see. You're going to see this balance between those, those that have the work environment at home going to start saying, okay, well, th- th- this can be my default. Uh, and, and yeah, I might be going into the office maybe one or two times a week. And I think that was kind of largely that kind of uh, two thirds, third type split. And then you're going to get others. We've had it in our own organizations where, um, especially with the younger members of the team, um, that they might be living at home with family. They might have siblings in there. They don't have a dedicated workspace of their own. They're trying to work from their bedroom. You know, that's an unhealthy situation long term. So I think it's finding that, that balance, isn't it? So certainly for me, I've always worked from home uh, throughout my career. Uh, so, so we've gone a second nature. Uh, the main thing I noticed was just a, a, a massive uptake in Zoom calls. You know, the, the, almost like the productivity changed overnight. It was relentless Zoom calls, whereas for a lot of the team, uh, it's not so easy to do that. So, yeah, de- definitely everything's changed. Uh, we're definitely seeing at the moment, though, organizations really trying to work out, okay, well, what is that return to work strategy? How is that going to work longer term? Do I now need to start thinking about how I invest in the employee's own home to enable them to work better uh, as opposed to previously where obviously it was all uh, internal investment within the actual building itself. Yeah, I I mean, we're going to go on obviously to talk about some of the technology, not issues in a minute, but, uh, you know, I totally agree with you, by the way. It's not all upside and gravy. People have very serious challenges about working from home at times. It can be uh, stressful. It can lead to... uh, uh, interesting uh, psychological challenges for people. I, I do get it. And I'm not one of these people who's all gung-ho, hey, isn't this much better? Isn't this uh, the, the way forward? I, I do appreciate that there's a lot to be said from, you know, what people used to call water cooler type moments. And, you know, for 25 years now, people have designed these really fancy offices, especially tech, right? Uh, where people can bump into each other, can brainstorm, can co-create and collaborate and all of these great things. And of course, we're all going to have to get used to a, a, a different way of collaborating, I think, going forward. And uh, I was speaking to CIOs recently, and they were saying, well, you know, what happens if you say to people, yes, you can work from home as much or as little as you like, and then, you know, is the office completely empty on certain days? What about when you really want to have a meeting and get people to know each other? What happens when young people are in the office and they're really kind of learning through the ambience of the office and working with others, these are interesting challenges, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think that, I think that's right. You're gonna uh, short short term. Obviously, people are going to do what they need to do to get by. But that longer term impact, you know, and, and that's happening across COVID, isn't it? In so many different aspects of our life, what what are going to be the longer term implications um, for for the office environment? Um, a, a lot of the uh, senior IT leaders that we're speaking to at the moment 
they start to talk to their colleagues and say, okay, look, where, where, where are we investing time on? I'm hearing quite a lot of organizations decide making that decision already to, to scale down their offices, to cut down those offices and actually repurpose them already. And we're, we're like, what are we now, four months in? Uh, and, and that repurposing of offices is, is going to drive dramatic cost savings for those businesses. And at the same time, the CIOs are now looking, okay, how do we reinvest some of that to, to, to change things going forward. So maybe what you end up with is, is just different types of offices, collaboration spaces as opposed to necessarily workspaces, you know, where people just go to, 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 to do their job makes a lot more sense. And then having technologies that can be more, more easily deployed in a home working or remote working environment to allow them to get on with the, the kind of majority of their day job. Uh, the, tr- the challenge for the younger generation, of course, as you just said there, though, is if they don't get those opportunities to collaborate, if they don't get those opportunities to learn uh, uh, from, their, from you know, their, their colleagues, if they don't get those opportunities to, to meet people within the organizations, how, how, do you, you know, how do you evolve a culture of the business? How do, you, how do you keep things going? So there's going to be a big, big role for uh, HR, you know, especially I, I believe to, to come in and start really trying to join up these teams and create the environments beyond the quizzes, beyond the kind of short term things that people have been doing. How, how do you continue to build that culture when everyone's largely working from home? Yes, yeah, so it's a big, big, big challenge. Yeah, I think that's a great point, by the way, about uh, the HR department. I, I, and I guess, you know, everyone who's a business leader or anyone who's involved in a business full stop, it's going to take a bit of creative thinking. I'm sure there'll be strategies that get reformulated as they turn out to be duds quite frankly along the way and um, and I think different companies have different attitudes I mean I don't know if you remember Matt but in 2013 when Yahoo was a thing the then CEO Marissa Mayer uh, made a call to really effectively stop homeworking you know and uh, her quote was some of the best decisions and insights come from hallway and cafeteria discussions meeting new people and impromptu team meetings speed and quality are often sacrificed when we work from home. And of course, even at the time, that created a real hoo-ha where people just felt, you know, treat us like adults. And, uh, you know, we we can be highly effective working from home, especially in a a job like uh, Yahoo, where a lot of people were were software engineers, programmers, and so on. Um, So there's there's always been this schism, hasn't there? Well, that's right. They're they're opposite sides of the coin, aren't they? Yeah. You know, know, essentially for, for, for every productive moment by a water cooler, you know, someone that's actually just given a space to get on with their job without disruption is going to be highly productive and, and get a lot achieved. So it's finding a balance, isn't it? You know, this, this, is, this is the whole point. There's, there's not going to be one scenario that, that works well uh, uh, for, for all situations. It's the same with, with any form of IT. There's never one, one solution that fits every use case. You're going to yeah. have to find different ways to, to, to make this stuff work. And I guess this is, this is where we're, we're trying to come up with some of these ideas to start to get into some of the, the, the detail, how, you know, how our business is going to really be able to, you know, uh, start to, from an IT perspective, take, take the lead. Because I think IT is going to be taking the lead here for the, for the first time. Uh, it's not going to be the finance people necessarily running the shop. It's not going to be sales and marketing. It's not going to be, you know, just the overall strategies. The IT leaders have got to step up into this role because they've probably got the most important role of anyone at this point in time within most organizations to, to enable the business to continue working, but to enable them to collaborate, you know, to keep the culture going uh, and also to look forward and say, okay, we're going to have all sorts of upheavals over the next few years. Recession is, by the sounds of it, coming. 
you know, and coming on strong. Um, so we're going to have to have adaptable and flexible technology, not 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 just be able to remotely work, but but actually remotely thrive as well. So uh, yeah, interesting times. What do you, what are you saying, Martin, in in, in terms of uh, those big challenges that these CIOs and IT leaders have got right now? What are the things they're focused on? Well, I think the one you can't you can't miss is obviously it's a connectivity crunch, isn't it? Uh, you talked earlier on about the the rise of Zoom meetings, and of course they've done phenomenally well, haven't they? Their share price have they've done phenomenally well to 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 actually support it. That was the thing that I was most surprised about is is how you go from largely being a business tool to what was it three hundred million users or something within a month, uh, and 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 they stayed they stayed going. It was remarkable, really. They, they did. I mean, you know, it's funny, actually, it's get, all getting a bit tribal with, with video conferencing now, you know, uh, everyone's an expert all of a sudden, aren't they, you know, from your, your sort of uncle organizing the family quiz to uh, the kids setting it up. But, um, you know, I think one thing certainly for CIOs is are being lent on to, to really become the support mechanism for home networking. And that's yet another gray area, isn't it? You know, at home, people typically have set up their own Wi-Fi, pay for it on their own bill and so on. And uh, I think that's something that a lot of CIOs are saying to me is really being questioned now. If a lot of us work from home or, or remotely much more in the future, then what is the role of the CIA in supporting uh, the infrastructure necessary to do that? Uh, and I think there's going to be a big question asked of CIOs and companies where they're going to be effectively asked to uh, sponsor uh, yet more infrastructure, and that will be the home working infrastructure, uh, you know, and, and to have highly resilient uh, broadband connectivity, uh, high capacity, uh, support for video conferencing, audio conferencing, and screen sharing. And really the remit of, of the CIO is not going to stop with the four walls of the office. It's going to go all the way back to the, the, the home office also. Let, let, let me tell you some of the things that uh, I saw over the last four months. So uh, as you know, um, some of the businesses I'm involved in, we do data analytics on, on telecoms usage and mobile and services like that uh quite quite remarkable when we saw covid kick in uh and the lockdown started during april most of the organizations we worked with saw a doubling or trebling of voice usage on mobile phones so just think about that for a second in terms of you know what it meant for how people were going to be using technology they instantly went straight to their mobile phone, and that became their, their primary tool for one-to-one communications. Yeah, there would have been Zoom and stuff like that going on, and Teams, obviously it's difficult to track Teams usage, but on the mobile phone bills, we saw massive increase in that straight away. We then saw really interesting things happening on data. We saw a small number of users explode in their data consumption. So, for instance, moving from maybe using a couple of gigs worth of data a month to using hundreds of gigs a month of data. And what did that tell us? That told us that those users were probably either struggling with their home connectivity yeah, or, or actually didn't have home connectivity. Then we saw a whole group of users that, 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 that were then using much less um, uh, uh, and then, and then, when we started to then delve into to, to more detail, what we found within the organisations uh, themselves was that many of those were saying about twenty percent of the users were struggling full stop with connectivity, you know, and and therefore weren't working productively. So, so what what we learned from this really quickly was that all those investments that have gone into things like uh, VoIP telephony systems and IPPBXs over the years lar- largely got dropped they were largely not used as soon as COVID kicked in. We saw that tools like Teams and Zoom started to take over immediately. 
we saw that for most users, the mobile phone became their primary point of contact. And going forward, what does all this mean? Well, it means that actually we just need to shuffle our budgets around. We can do without a lot of these technologies that we thought were key critical before. So reinvesting the money that was from the telephony systems into uh, more, more productive tools that people can use remotely is, is, is going to be critical. Um, understanding that certain users are fine working from home, uh, and I'm going to come on to security issues and some support issues in a minute. They're fine. They can actually get connectivity, but about 20% are not. So those people are seriously you know, undermined in their, their productivity. So, so as, as this thing evolved, we saw... Uh, this kind of immediate kind of panic, how do, we, how do we get people working? Where we're seeing the IT leaders thinking about now, though, is they're saying, how do we actually uh, uh, make sure everyone can work productively from home? And secondly, how on earth do we support these people? Because back to your point, if they're on their home broadband with their home router, they're sharing that Wi-Fi infrastructure with their family, yeah, uh, uh, um, and, and therefore controlling the quality of it, it's really difficult. So, so as I see it, what we're starting to see is organizations now saying there's certain tranches of IT expenditure that were always there that now we, we can actually put a red line through. We can start to say, do we even need a telephony system going forward? Or we just need a, a cut-down version for our contact center? And then redeploy that money uh, into things like dedicated connectivity where they can actually monitor the service. They can provide some support because, let's face it, if, if you're trying to support someone that's on a, I don't know, a Virgin or a BT home broadband line and it goes wrong, Where's your support? You know, it's that user, isn't it? Your fee owner is now going to spend all day long trying to get their, their broadband line uh, fixed. Uh, if I have a problem, there's nothing you can do as the IT teams to support them. Uh, and let alone, uh, who provided the router? Is it secure? Did anyone patch it? When was the last time the password was changed? Has it even got a password? All these kind of challenges are starting to come out, uh, come out now. And that's where we see the IT leaders really thinking is, okay, look, we've got people working. A few have got a problem. We're trying to resolve that. But actually, long term, if we've got to redeploy our budget completely to think about remote working tech as, as the number one area to invest in and what happens in the office almost secondly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like you're falling into that bucket then of those who say, yes, the CIO and the IT department are going to have to cover a new area of cost, but there'll be trade-offs. You'll be able to claw back money in other ways, yeah. I, I, I spent a one CIO who was saving more money on printers uh, just in terms of like, because people weren't printing in the offices. They're spending more money. I think they're going to like £15,000 a month saving, uh, which, which more than ad adequately cover their kind of phone bill for six, 700 mobile workers. So yeah, there are, there are definite areas of cost saving. A lot of CIOs, uh, you know, almost need to go back to this kind of zero-based budgeting right now and say, okay, look, what, what, is, what, is, what do we need in the future? Let's draw a line through everything and just kind of relook at it because I, I think although there are going to be big increases in costs for some, there's going to be whole areas where you can start to take out costs now and redeploy that without having to go to the finance team and say, hey, can we have more budget? I think it's all about redeploying it. And, 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 and I think I know we're going to cover in a, one of the later episodes, we're going to get into real detail about how do businesses save money on telco and, and mobile. But we can touch a bit upon that today in as much as there's a lot of wastage often as well within IT budgets, you know, because they're not challenged that, that, that regularly often. Um, most of the work tends to be kind of procurement led every couple of years, I go to market for a service. Uh, whereas actually if IT leaders really delve into it and, and were to run a project, what they find is big amounts of wastage quite often. There's going to free the budget's already there. You just got to go and find it. Mm. 
Yeah, I, you, I think the the other impact, of course, is on uh, IT teams and help desks, user support. But one thing, again, that was interesting uh, as we live through these extraordinary times is a lot of CIOs were reporting back that actually um, user support had actually dipped to a certain extent, uh, fewer uh, help desk requests and, and much more of a sort of self-service culture. You know, people Google what's going on with my printer connection or what's happening with my Wi-Fi connection. And surprisingly enough, it hasn't been too much of a meltdown for the IT department after the initial chaos of entering lockdown, at least. Well, m- m- most people, they actually get, if you look at kind of like a family, you know, say there's four, 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 four people in a household, are you looking at the amount of devices that are actually connected to their Wi-Fi? You know, it can be dozens. You know, uh, we, 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 we ran a test with uh, uh, one customer where we deployed in uh, uh, 4G remote working. So they had their own case because their, their home broadband wasn't, wasn't installed on time. So they put this thing in place and then uh, once the test was over, we see that they had nearly 20 devices connected to this kind of uh, hub where, where, where uh, they were using the Wi-Fi and it was connected up to sellers that given that connectivity. So if you start to look at that, what does it really mean? People are used to support themselves, but is that really the issue? You know, people can be self-sufficient, you know, but if there's a problem, it's when the problems come. You know, and then it's all that time taken up. It, it's, it's kind of uh, uh, so easy to spend hours then trying to resolve a broadband problem because you're dealing with consumer services. And we know that, you know, when, when, they, when they have problems, they tend to impact lots and lots of people. You know, I think, you know, we had an outage from one of the major networks, didn't we, last, last week. You know, if you, if you were working then, how do you deal with that? How do you manage it? And, and, and that's the challenge with, with home working, remote working, which is people might be able to sort the problems or most people might be able to sort some of the problems, but it's at what cost of productivity. And if IT teams don't have any visibility of what's happening on those sites, they can't proactively do anything either. So, so it's almost like, yeah, I don't disagree that people were able to get by. It, it, it's kind of whether or not that's really an efficient way going forward to rely on everyone's home connections. And a lot of the time as well, uh, I, I've heard uh, broadband problems. Uh, you know, my broadband's rubbish. It's not their broadband at all. It's the fact that they got a router with their broadband seven years ago. Yeah, that, that router's kind of best past its prime. That's got certain amount of Wi-Fi channels on it and, and actually more devices connecting to it than it can support. And that's why they get bad service. It was nothing to do with the broadband. But you're getting into that technical level that, that actually most users are never going to be able to deal with. And so you get misdiagnosis when you get self-service as well. And that's really, really a problem because then you can start chasing all the wrong things. So, so I think for, for a lot of organizations, especially those kind of professional services or that, you know, you know, people that don't have to physically come into one location, um, I, the way I look at it is they probably were spending, you know, 10, 20 pound a month on coffees and teas, you know, just a business providing, you know, milk and stuff like this, yeah. let alone the cost of the offices, let alone the cost of all the, you know, bills and everything to go with that. Um, it, it, are those organizations going to start thinking, hey, if I spent 50, 100 pounds a month, I could provide a completely standalone business grade connectivity to my employees that work from home so they can work productively. And when it goes wrong, I can see it. It's almost like an extension within the office. You know, I think that's where we're going to see a lot of people go to now because the costs are just minimal, really. They're big when you add them up for hundreds or thousands of users. I get that. But actually, they're minimal in comparison to what it costs to actually put an office in place and to support the desk and all the other things that go with it. 
Yeah, absolutely, Matt. It's going to be really interesting for progressive CIOs, and they all are progressive, let's face it. You know, they're going to really have to rewrite the budgets in a lot of ways. Uh, you wouldn't want to be at a WeWork or, or, or involved in uh, leasing. Uh, Certainly wouldn't want to be an investor at WeWork. No, no. <laughs> let's leave that one aside for now. Um, we can't talk about um, remote connectivity, of course, without bringing up uh, 5G. What do you think? Uh, changes that will be wrought by by 5G? Is it really needed for effective uh, remote working and mobile connectivity? Are you seeing an increase in queries regarding 5G? Yeah, I, I see. Do you know what I, I, I see on 5G um, is that there's been a lot of hype uh, and a lot of noise and quite rightly CIO, leader, CIO and IT leaders are, are thinking, I need to have a 5G strategy. Kind of everyone's talking about this stuff for 5G, but what is it? And, and, and actually for many, that's really difficult because actually what is the business case for 5G within the enterprise? There are applications and services and 5G is really two things. What, one, one part of 5G is faster network, better coverage uh, and more capacity. You know, the ability to connect multiple devices at the same time. Uh, and, and, and that side of it is just going to naturally benefit people uh, anyway. You know, you, 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 it's the old stadium adage, isn't it? You, you know, everyone's got five bars of 4G, but no one's got service because there's no capacity to support everyone. So, so the, you know, you, you, you don't get the, the service at that point, whereas 5G changes that. So I think definitely you're going to see that. Is, is, is that game changing for most businesses? Probably not. You know, it's going to be a better service than it was before. It's going to be a quicker service. You're going to get coverage in places where maybe you didn't in the past. The more interesting bit uh, for CIOs is then how can I deploy 5G technologies within my organization? Do I use 5G, for instance, on a private basis to replace my previous kind of wired LAN? You know, do I use that to replace Wi-Fi services? And that's where, like, the industrials are using it. So I know uh, there's kind of factories um, uh, I think it's quite public domain. So Worcester Bosch are part of a uh, 5G uh, testbed with uh, Worcester 5G, which is, which is something that's close to us here uh, where, where I'm based. And they've been deploying the technology to provide low latency uh, uh, connectivity to their factory uh, machines and devices so that in real time they can manage control. That's so the sensors on a machine that might cost them millions and millions if it went wrong. In literally milliseconds, those sensors are communicating using 5G technology on a private basis to, to make it better. So I think definitely there's, there's technologies uh, like low latency, private 5G. Um, you've probably heard of network slicing. Is that something you've, you've come across in a 5G yeah, world? absolutely. Yep. Yeah, okay. So network slicing is a concept that you will be able to create within a mobile 5G network your own kind of corporate layer. The challenge with a lot of these things is we are right at the kind of top of the hype cycle uh, again, and uh, talking to a few within the industry, and this was before the Huawei uh, challenges the last few weeks, this stuff is years and years away. It's all very well having network slicing in the core, so the core of the mobile network, their, their kind of main infrastructure, but if that's not extended out to the radio access network, the point where you physically connect your devices, then, then it's almost like saying, hey, well, I'm going to give you quality of service or, or slicing on one bit of your network, but, but you can't have it at the local access end. I mean, it's, it's kind of pointless until that, that really comes through. So I think for, think for CIOs, the challenge is this. Day one, do you need a strategy? No, you need to understand what the tech's going to do. 5G is going to change. It's going to make things better for everyone, quicker and so on. That, that, that's fine. The, the real clever stuff and network slicing and mobile uh, uh, 
uh, edge computing, the the ability to run low latency services, private networking, all these kind of these other use cases, they're still a way off, but they're quite they're quite interesting. I think they will change things over time, but um, we're maybe three five years away from a lot of that tech. Yeah, it tends to be a long rollout, doesn't it? It's one of those things with the the G's that uh, when everyone stops writing about it in the media, things actually start to happen in the real world. The, 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 the thing that's different this time uh, from that makes 4G not just like kind of the same with when we went for 3G to 4G is actually a lot of this is about changing the core network of the mobile networks and the way that those networks themselves are built. So, so all the, all the things that the CIOs, you know, we talked to already know about, you know, they're, they're kind of virtualizing their networks. Uh, they're, they're, they're moving away from this kind of concept of having their own data centers and they're moving to the cloud um, and, and having technologies that support that. This is what's happening really in 5G. This is all about upgrading the network networks and the ways that those mobile networks uh, move data around and how they manage those services. So a lot of things people will be familiar with with in wide area networking for a number of years is those technologies now being deployed into the mobile core networks. Now, once that's done and the way that we can define those networks using software and, 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 and manage them more, more efficiently, then that starts to create lots of new opportunities. Um, but, but that's a big thing with 5G, and it's not the exciting bit that people talk about, but that's what's happening under the bonnet. It's the upgrade of all of those networks and, and the way that they're architected. And once that's achieved, then we start to get into the really interesting stuff about whether or not the uh, hyperscalers like the AWSs and the Azures and those type of people are going to be able to integrate in to the mobile networks and extend their technologies closer to the closer to the edge. So this is like the mobile edge computing. This is this is all the super exciting. But you know, you know what it's like with these hypes, uh, hype cycles. You know, you know, we are three five years away from a lot of this stuff even being kind of deployable in any real shape or form. And, and we're going to go through this kind of disillusionment trough, as they say. Uh, and it's not going to be as great as it is led to be. But uh, but it's nonetheless, it's going to be game changing over the years. And it's very different from the 3G to 4G move. For 4G to 5G is, is quite quite transformational compared to that. Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose the $64,000 question for a lot of people is, you know, will 5G or other trends alongside 5G also uh, mean that mobile really replaces fixed line connectivity in the end? Do you see that uh, as being similarly um, a three to five year proposition? I, I, th- I, think, I think today 4G can already do that. I think 4G is probably one of the, the most uh, uh, um, what's, what's the right word to say? I, I don't think 4G has really been deployed as well as it could be by a lot, lot of uh, businesses. Uh, I, I think uh, it's always been thought of as, you know, it's a capability. You know, everyone's very comfortable with a smartphone, tablet. Yeah, no problems at all. Might use a MiFi dongle or something like that if you're traveling on a train. But, but a lot of organizations don't really deploy 4G technology very well itself. And, and actually, today, it can already replace fixed light. So uh, I, 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 I re- well, I've still got my fiber broadband here, but I've been on uh, 4G uh, technology now, testing that for two weeks without unplugging it. And, and, and you know, probably go wrong this second, won't it? But, it? but it's been working really, really well. And the speeds that I'm achieving, although, you know, this is just basic 4G with a router and an aerial, I'm getting 50 meg download and 30, 30 meg up. You know, it's, yeah. it's as good as, if not better than fixed line. So I think 4G can do that, 5G definitely. Um, the, the challenge you've got is it obviously takes years to roll it out. Uh, we've just been put back by a year or two with a Huawei dis- decision. Um, you know, understandable what they're saying, but, but it is going to put us back. But definitely the technology is capable of replacing wires in a lot of places and putting connectivity where it couldn't have been put before. 
Yeah, the Huawei decision, by the way, I was pretty close to, and um, I guess that will, will have, to be, have to be a subject for another podcast, but, um, you know, the exact impact that has on the 5G network is uh, yet to be established, I think, and, and potentially uh, quite a worrying development for those of us who well, want to see it to be able to tap into 5G uh, sooner or later. Well, what about in fixed line? What about a fixed line as well? I don't think this has been mm. talked about a great deal, but essentially mm-hmm. they are saying it's got to be removed from fiber broadband networks as well. You know, that, that's, that's significant. That's probably more significant than 5G right at this point. You well, know, all well, those green cabinets are sitting down the yeah, road. You absolutely. know, third half, maybe more have got, got Huawei kits in within them. Well, don't get me started on it, Matt. I personally think, you know, there's a hev- heavily... Um, uh, politically motivated decision and, and, and quite frankly made by people who um, shouldn't be making those sorts of calls. You know, it's all very well having a, a political view of, of China and of uh, cyber espionage and all of these good things, but you have to understand a little bit about the core communications infrastructure as well before you start uh, telling people to rip out uh, swathes of technology. But anyway, we better not get started on that because that's going to take us down a different rabbit hole. But I did want to say to you, though, we've, we've done a, made a pretty good fist in the time available to us of talking about some of the connectivity options and and um, decision trees for, for CIOs out there. I think and maybe an even bigger challenge or concern is going to be about security. I mean, security ever since the World Wide Web has leapt up, you know, those charts of uh, CIO concerns. And now the idea, as you say, that um, a lot of uh, our staff are going to be uh, working from home, potentially on commercial mm-hmm. grade routers with uh, maybe no facility for, for patching of software. Uh, what's happening with security on the mobile front? So I think um, there's a few things. The biggest security risk is always your people, you know, and, and, and uh, educating people continuously, making them aware of the risks. And what are the risks? The, the risks of phishing. So basically, respond, you know, clicking on links that, that kind of look legitimate but are not, and then exposing yourself to malware or, uh, uh, you know, attacks on that, that basis. So, so number one is phishing and education. And, and we've seen a massive rise in phishing attacks over the COVID period. So those CIOs that are not looking at mobile threat defense, not looking at uh, phishing protection and so on, you know, this is a big one for remote and home workers. We've always had previously, um, our IT teams would focus a lot of their time on protecting their own perimeter, their own infrastructure. This kind of zero uh, trust model is now really taking off and people genuinely understanding that there are big risks out there from phishing. And I think mobile is, is the easiest one to get people on because it's, it's a small real estate for the screen. It's difficult to see. You can't actually kind of click in and have a detailed look at you know, the email in the same way that you could, for instance, with uh, a desktop. And, and, and the phishing attack isn't just email anymore. It's text messaging. It's social media. So, so that's a big one. Um, in terms of uh, then the network itself, um, the big kind of risk for the corporation is if it's got no security policies at all or no way to influence those on the home network, then that, that's, that's no different than the users going into you know, a coffee shop and just hooking onto public Wi-Fi, is it? Could be anything. That could be going anywhere. And, 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 and the problem with certificates and everything like that is all it takes is a user to get that pop-up that says, hey, do you, you know, uh, we've got a problem here. Is it, um, am I okay to go still? Yeah, and, and they bypass they buy, bypass the security. And so 
I think that that's going to be um, really the problem that CIOs have to face in the home network, which is actually put a put a bit of kit in that you can manage yourself. You would you 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 wouldn't allow one of your small sites to operate on anything but corporate kit, uh, and, and to have security policies and patching on there. I think that's coming to remote working. But but the bigger one, as I see it, almost right now, is that protection against that that mobile user from those type of uh, malware threats, phishing, and network attacks. Um, and, and, and then secondly, as I say, then the infrastructure side of it, putting the right routers in place, the, the right policies, uh, because long term, there isn't going to be the excuse of, well, COVID meant that we just had to use whatever tech was available. You know, that, 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 that's kind of been allowable to now, but now it's changing. You've got a responsibility like you have with GDPR or anything else to put in the right policies and measures to deal with that. And the, and, and, and the first line of attack right now is, is the home worker because everyone's still working from home. And if you're not thinking about how do you manage that environment or make it secure, you're going to have problems. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Look, we've got to, what is it, 36 minutes in? That went quickly, didn't it? At least for you and me, hopefully, anyway. In, in, indeed. Listen, before before we finish up, I know we're going to uh, always want to make sure that we, we uh, share uh, information mm. with people. It's going to be of value. So just on this connectivity thing, we haven't really talked about what businesses can do, but maybe maybe just a minute minute or two more Please, on yeah. that. So, so uh, n- number one things that organizations aren't really doing too much of at the moment, but they could be doing uh, is uh, if you need to put mobile connectivity in place, there's some really great routers out there. There's some really great tech that's like 100 hundred pound a unit, yeah, which will take a SIM card uh, and we'll have the option of putting an, an antenna on that. So we, we run a lot of testing over this in, in April and May and just having an external antenna connected to a router or even a MiFi unit can suddenly take a poor coverage area, you know, where you're not really getting enough to support a Zoom call or to support uh, day-to-day operations. You can suddenly, you know, just by putting that external antenna at 100 pounds, something like that, you, you can suddenly be getting 10, 20 meg downloads where there wasn't speed before. Uh, I've seen organizations uh, that have got no coverage for a home worker, put an external aerial up for mobile and suddenly get a really great service. Um, so, so things that you can do out there, use an antenna, in, investigate that side of it. Um, look at the routers that are out there, some really great technology on that front. Um, also, uh, one of the big things that's changed is unlimited data now. So, so before mobile was always a really expensive solution, you know, compared to fixed line. But now we're seeing kind of unlimited data plans, 25, 30 pound a month, that type of territory gets you unlimited data. So now you're in, into a realm of put in a corporate router with an unlimited data SIM and an aerial, and suddenly you've got business grade quali- quality service at a cost of, you know, less than 100 pound a month easily, you know, 50 pound a month, that type of territory potentially. So, so uh, those are things that uh, we're really recommending organizations look at helping, helping quite a few customers in that area at the moment, uh, but it's transforming uh, what can be really poor cellular and uh, broadband connectivity at homes and actually in a lot of cases making it great. Yeah, those are great tips. Actually, we maybe want to consider whether we put some tips on the sort of download area as well, and uh, so people can have some takeaways as well as uh, from the audio. Um, I think we'd better wrap it up there, Matt, because we've got so much else to talk about. Uh, we could have spent the whole day really covering this topic. Uh, the future of remote and mobile working, well, we covered most of the present anyway, and uh, hopefully a little bit about the future. Maybe we could talk about some of the more futuristic things, the sort of five and ten years out on another episode of this but i think we better wrap it up for now 
Right. Uh, and we'd love to get feedback as well, wouldn't you, Matt? Um, be yeah, it'd be great. I mean, yeah, the, the whole purpose here is kind of share a little bit about what's going on in the market. Uh, in a few yeah. of the episodes, come again, get some real nitty gritty about what the mobile and uh, telco providers do to their customers and how you can avoid that, that happening to you and things like that. So, yeah, any feedback, any questions, please do reach out. Fantastic, Matt. Thanks for chatting and I'll see you again very soon. Thanks, Martin. Thanks for tuning in to the CIO podcast the podcast for CIOs who mean business. If you like what you heard during this podcast, please don't forget to like and subscribe to get the latest insights from IT leaders and industry specialists. Thanks for listening and stay tuned.